So this is a unique podcast. You have the founder of Slack, Stuart Butterfield, and he's the one actually interviewing uh, Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz. So let me just go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, this is, a, this is a Mark Andreessen talking about the two different categories of entrepreneurs because they're talking about the difference between entrepreneurs today and maybe some, uh, you know, 10 years ago or even before that. And he said there's two categories of entrepreneurs that have risen in the last decade. The first one is O to O, and this is a category that they call online to offline. Examples of that would be like Airbnb, Lyft, Uber, etc. And he, and what Mark says about those founders is those founders are much more operationally focused than the previous generation. It's not just software. Those companies have a big real-world logistical operations component, and that has turned out to be a different kind of founder. They are more of a throwback, like the semiconductor founders from the last 30, from 30 years ago. They're harder core, and they got dirt underneath their fingernails. I've actually just ordered the book that Mark recommended. Um, it's on uh, the founder of IBM. So I'll eventually turn that into a founder's podcast. Uh, Mark continues. He says, there, the other is the rise of the deep domain expert in a science like biology. Uh, so, for example, somebody that has like a PhD in biology or chemistry. He says, in the past, if you met a newly minted biology PhD, they wouldn't know that much about computers. Now they basically have a dual PhD in computer science. So you have these dual discipline founders that is enticing, and I think that's new. Um, so he talks a little bit about the founding of A16Z, which is the, the point of this podcast. Is, uh, it's like a, at their 10-year anniversary, so that's why they're looking back. And he said, uh, there was this throwback element to what we were doing. We wanted to work with the best founders to build the most important companies. We could talk about the history of venture. We spent a lot of time digging into the history. We were inspired by the people who came before us. Have you ever heard Mark speak? He talks about that quite a bit, that um, he feels it's your obligation to study the history of the, the industry you're in. And he spends a lot of time reading biographies and looking into the history of uh, all kinds of industries, not just technology industries. Well, I guess it is, they're all technology industries because thing, things uh, that, we, that we take for granted today, when they were new, were references technology. Um, so another difference of uh, the founding of A16Z was we took seriously, uh, we took seriously the idea, uh, maybe it should be this idea. We took seriously this idea of building uh, the institution, in particular the building of a network and ecosystem. We were making a long-term and systematic and costly investment in the network. That's why we have all these operating functions and all these professionals here. And they even said this is uh, somewhat being copied in the industry now. Uh, so Mark reflects back when he was a founder uh, of technology startups, uh, especially the one that he did with Jim Clark back in the 90s. So he said a lot of people in the early 90s, investors and press and the like, doubted the future of the Internet. We pitched all the big media companies in the 90s. They said the future of the Internet is AOL because AOL pays us for our content. On the Internet, we have to spend money to put up our content. So that's obviously never going to work. That's kind of funny. Uh, this, ha this, uh, so he, he what, what did he take away from this experience? He says this thing is happening, meaning the internet, that will fundamentally, fundamentally change the world, and people poo-poo it. That might, and then he, he's just like, well, that's kind of understandable, though, isn't it? Because he said that might be the logical response, because a lot of new things come along, and people claim it will change the world. Most of those things don't. Maybe our lot in life as founders is to be the fringe element. Uh, ben brings up a really good point. Uh, he said, prices of companies are always incorrect. Always. They are valued on future performance, and no one knows what that is. Uh, he also uh, asks, brings up a, another uh, interesting question. He says, what is going to be the user interaction model after the iPhone? What is the next platform? 
that is a big open question right now. So just like no one knows really how to value a company, no one really knows what, what the future is going to bring. So what is going to happen after the iPhone? There's a lot of guesses, but we, well, we won't know till after it happens. Uh, Mark talks about when analyzing an opportunity. This is interesting. This is what I call default optimism. He says, we default into thinking this will happen. We don't spend a lot of time on will this happen? Will this be a thing? Instead, let's assume it does happen. If it does happen, where does it go? How high is up and how big it can get? You are looking for the things that can get really, really big. I love that default optimism. That's a really interesting, I mean, there is a, there obviously is the opposite side of that, like protect your downside and make sure that you're not going to lose too much, which I guess is what uh, these kind of bets are. They have a limited downside and unlimited upside. But uh, even for people that are not doing investing and starting a company, like uh, it doesn't mean it's going to work, but like start your, think about it. Like, well, if it does, let's assume it does. What does that, what does that look out, uh, look like? You might find opportunities and ideas you, you haven't considered. Um, Mark continues, he has this thing called a Peter Thealism, which I guess is something that Peter says all the time. He said, this is a Peter Thealism we quote all the time. It is not the first company that gets all the money. It is the last company in the market that gets all the money. In other words, it is the company that takes the market and forecloses the opportunity for startups behind it. Another reason why you just don't want to just copy whatever or what has already been done. Um, uh, Mark brings up the fact that um, there's, a, there's a different way to look at failure, depending on like where in the timeline uh, you're running your experiments. For example, Edison tried 3,000 compounds for the light bulb before he figured out the filament. So at you know attempt number 2,116, like, oh, Edison's a failure. But at attempt number 3,000, he's not. I also use the example, one of my favorite books I've ever read is The Autobiography of James Dyson. And, you know, he starts working on the cyclonic, what becomes the, the Dyson vacuum, the cyclonic vacuum. I think he's like 30 years old. And he doesn't complete until he's like 44. He went through 5,127 prototypes. Same thing. At prototype number 4,000, his wife and everybody around him was like, this guy's a quack. He's, he's, he's a failure. But at, once, he, once, he, uh, once he actually completed it at 5,127, and then years went by, and, you know, he's a billionaire that owns all the company. Um, ben talks about this is a really uh, valuable point. Um, another reason why you should study history because you realize, you know, people have good ideas in history, but they also have really bad and, and other, and another way to put it, dumb ideas. And so you have to know that just knowing that you are not the stupidest entrepreneur of all time is really valuable. Um, I left a link to his book, the hard things about hard things in the, in the notes, because he referenced that, um, that that's what his book is about. Basically realizing, Hey, I'm not, I'm not the dumbest person doing this. Like this is really hard for a reason. Um, and then th- another benefit of studying history, Ben talks about, it's like, listen, this, the thing that helped us the most, meaning the, hel- the success that to the extent that A16Z has been successful, like what has caused that? The thing that helped us the most was copying, copying. That's the word he used. Michael Ovitz's model at CAA that jumpstarted us by five years. I can't believe how well it worked. And if you want to hear about a little bit about the system, you can read who is Michael Ovitz. That's also linked in the, uh, in the notes. Uh, Mark has a book recommendation for us. He says, Thinking in Bets, Making Smarter Decisions When You Don't Have All the Facts by Annie Duke. This book has been talked about so much and recommended so much. I might have to actually read it. He says, in the book, she talks about what is the nature of a mistake in a probabilistic domain. Um, So he says, she uses the term resulting. Resulting is a process of looking at a bet that was made in a probabilistic domain that didn't pan out and concluding that was a mistake. Um, she said, if you're in a probabilistic business, resulting is the root of all evil because you will learn the wrong lessons. She says the thing, uh, the thing, the thing to do 
if you're operating in a probabilistic domain, is clearly separate process and outcome, which I would argue most of entrepreneurship is. Uh, in case you don't know, probabilistic domains mean you don't know the outcome of any bet ahead of time. And since you don't know the outcome ahead of time, you need to design the best possible, possible process to generate the best possible set of outcomes over time. And if something doesn't work out, that doesn't mean you just keep going, oh, I have, my process is great. That You don't doubt your decision to make the bet. You go back and analyze to make sure that your process was the best it could be. And Ben brings up uh, Jeff Bezos. He said, and kind of piggybacking on uh, what Andy Duke is talking about in her book, that you should really focus on inputs, not just the outputs. And it says, Jeff Bezos has a really good idea. He says, we, meaning the people at Amazon, we rate people on, the, on their inputs, not the outputs. And then uh, Stuart Butterford brings up something that's interesting uh, when he was building Slack. And he says, from the entrepreneur's perspective, having a whole lot of money takes away a very critical forcing function which is I'm about to run out of money. I better figure this out. He even talked about how he had to deal with that, how he kind of like rewire his brain, even though he's sitting on, you know, $100 million or whatever the number was. And then finally to close here, Mark Andreessen has two, uh, two, two of his favorite books that he's read so far. Mark is a great source of book recommendations and then actually good TV shows. And the first one was How History Gets Things Wrong, The Neuroscience of Our Addiction to Stories. It's about the narrative fallacy. In case you want to read up on that, I recommend. And then the second book, um, I actually listened to the audiobook, and I'd recommend that too. It, it puts like perspective, like human suffering, in perspective, and it's "Can't Hurt Me: Master Your Mind and Defy the Odds" by David Goggins.